Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Let's sing that together. Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. Lord, I speak
Hallelujah. Your name is healing. Your name is life. I believe it, Lord. Break every stronghold. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Jesus for my family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just put that name on our lips this morning, saints, as we just worship him. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. Oh, there's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, there's power in that name to break every chain, to heal every disease. To set free every captive. To restore every wayward heart. We believe it this morning. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Lord. How we love you this morning. and We worship you, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to prepare to go to prayer at this time. Maybe we could just sing that song. Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. As the brothers would just come and prepare for the morning offering. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's just something, something about that. this morning. We thank you, Father, for meeting us here once more. What a privilege, O oh God, to serve a living God. Lord, an almighty creator, great enough to create all the heavens and the earth and to see every heart. Lord, to know every sparrow and yet so mindful of me, of each one of us, Lord, so mindful. You see, O oh God, and you know. You see each heart. You see every upraised hand, every need, Lord. Father, and you've already made a way. We know, Lord, of the all-sufficiency of grace. Lord, that you are the unending God and that you are more willing to give this morning than we are even to receive. But, Father, we come with hearts of worship, Lord, and with mouths filled with praise. 
Lord, to give you glory and honor and worship, Lord, for you are worthy, Lord Jesus. Lord, we lift your name this morning. Truly, there is no other name like the name of Jesus. Lord, we just ask your blessing once more on this service, that you would take our brother Tim as he has set himself aside, Lord. Would you bless him? I pray you would use him, Lord. Father, may you just direct his thoughts, direct his words, Lord, that they would go out to reach that soul in need. Lord, lift your people up higher. How we just desire higher heights and deeper depths, Lord. We know there is more of you this morning for us. So we ask you to have your way in this service this morning. Pray you would meet every need in divine presence, Lord, that you would minister strength and healing, Lord. Go forth amongst your people, Father. We remember our precious brother Tom as he ministers in Texas, and we pray for strength for him, Lord, and that you would use him mightily. Lord, bless our precious brother Bisco this morning. Our sister Bisco, Lord, our hearts just go out to them and our thoughts. Lord, how good you have been to us to bless us with their lives these many years. We just pray a special blessing this morning for both of them, Father. Have your way this morning. Would you bless the morning offering we ask as we commit it to thy hands that you would bless it and multiply it, Lord, for thy glory. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Has he been good to you? Amen. Amen. Maybe you could just start playing God is Good all the time, Brother Ben, if you would, please. Did have a couple welcomes that we wanted to make this morning. Our brother Jose Rosales just written in to please welcome Brother Joel, Brother Joel Ruiz Rodriguez. Forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong. God bless you. Here all the way from Guadalajara, Mexico. Nice to have you with us this morning. God bless you. Amen. Also, our brother Nathaniel Rudvidzo has a couple friends with him this morning. I saw. God bless you. Trust you feel welcome in the service this morning. Anyone else here visiting? May the Lord just richly bless you. We have some not visitors. The lay family still here with us. God bless you. Nice to see you. Take our love and greetings back home with you to Louisiana. Amen. But I've been wanting to sing this song for a little while now. God is good all the time. And you know what? If you believe God's good, he puts a song of praise in your heart. Amen. So let's worship him together this morning. We're not going to delay the service. We'll just invite Brother Tim to go. Come, excuse me. I believe he has a bit of a report for us also this morning. So Brother Tim, you can come whenever you feel. And we'll just go ahead and continue singing here. When you're walking.
see some are already dancing. That's all right. Feel free. And man, I might join you. I want it. When you were singing, if I could, <laughs> when you were singing, um, oh, what was that song? Bless the Lord, O my soul. When you, Brother Ryan, and I was just in the office there, that's why it took me a few minutes to get out. I just thought, Lord, I just want to stay here on the floor worshiping you. I just want to worship him this morning. Don't you want to worship him? Amen. He is worthy of all glory and all honor and all praise. And we're so thankful to be gathered together this morning. We could just continue singing and worshiping. Um, but the main part of the service is always the word. We have come to hear the word of God. And if you have come expecting, you shall receive what you expect. That's a promise. And God keeps his promises. If you're expecting by faith. Amen. Now, I just want to mention, especially for those that are streaming, you've heard of the wildfires in British Columbia. We certainly uh, want to remember our brothers and sisters and family that is in Kelowna area. They're being evacuated and have been evacuated. I know the area. I have family in that area and uh, want to remember there. And there are brothers and sisters there. Brother Jonah Emke in the church there. Someone told me that the fire was near to his backyard. And so we just want to remember them in prayer. But, but we also want to say for those of you that are not from British Columbia, the fires are a long ways from here. And we are all safe here in this area. And we thank God for that. But we certainly want to remember those in need this morning. Amen. Shall we bow our heads in a word of prayer as we approach him this morning? If you have a need, why don't you hold that before the Lord? Heavenly Father, Lord, it, truly it is that you are good all the time. As I believe was spoken on Wednesday night, Lord, all things work together for good. To those who love you, who are the called according to your purpose, O oh Lord. What a blessed place to be in this morning, Lord. To be the called. To be the elect of God. To be able to come with saints of like precious faith into your house. Sense your presence so near. And to be able to rejoice in your presence no matter what we're going through. We may not have the joy of life. We may not have the joy of our health. Some of us looking for a touch this morning. Maybe the joy of relationships and things that Satan has robbed people, oh God. But one thing we always have is the joy of our salvation. As David said, even when that escapes us, Lord, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. And Lord, we want to come into your gates with rejoicing this morning, as we have. But then we want to approach the word that way, Father. Knowing that your word is eternal. And it's living. It's not a letter. It's not something, Lord, that we come just to study or, or look to understand. It's something that we look to receive quickening power from. Lord, that you might minister your word even as you did in flesh. That the words that you speak are spirit and life. Yes. Lord, may you go amongst your people this morning. Not just here on the internet. Lord, May you discern the needs that are there. So many times, Lord, we've listened to your prophets speak. And Lord, 
here we are 50 years later, 60 years later. And Lord, it's, it ministers to a need that we have so much later. So Lord, may you just, who sees, Lord, I, I'm losing words this morning, but you just see every need that's out there. You just see, Lord, every burdened person. Lord, you see these needs in Kelowna, oh God. You see your children. You see, they like we realize we're living on the, on the edge of judgment, Father. But Lord, we pray that you'll be merciful. We pray, Father, that you'll just reach down and watch over those that are yours especially. But even, Lord, may you just overflow the blessings to those around them, Lord, we pray. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We ask as we turn back the pages of your word that you'll just have the preeminence now. Take complete control, we pray, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. Thank you, musicians. Wonderful song service this morning. Thank you, Brother Ryan. And each one that contributed, thank you for being here. It's good to be here. Amen. Revelation chapter 4. It's where we'll be turning this morning. You can put that first slideshow up and get it ready. It doesn't need to be on the screen, but you can have it ready for me if you can. Revelation chapter 4, let's start at verse 1. After this I looked and beheld, behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And we're going to jump down now. Uh, all the way to verse 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, I want you to remember as we read the book of Revelation that uh, John on the Isle of Patmos was in a series of visions, and he recorded these visions, and these visions, these visions are symbolic. And so the things that John is seeing is not necessarily literal, but rather they represent something, all right? So as we read this, and we're going to go into uh, one aspect of it here, verse 5, out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne, and this is where we're focusing now, and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders 
fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. Cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. I want to title my message this morning, just one word, combat. Combat. I think everybody knows what that word means. And we understand it and, and might be kind of a different scripture maybe to take that one word title, but you'll see where it comes from as we get into it. And so we see the John being caught up after receiving the, the uh, vision of the seven church ages and the messages to each of the seven church ages. Now he hears a voice in another vision says, come up higher. And he's, he's caught up into the very presence of God in a vision and sees things around the throne. This is no doubt very much what Moses saw when God said to Moses, I want you to make the tabernacle after the pattern of the things that you saw in heaven. And so now John seeing these same things, he, he describes them in detail. And Brother Branham picks this up in the uh, in the seals, and I guess by way of foundation, I want to say uh, we're going to go through uh, a quite, a, quite a number of quotes here of the message, especially in the seventh seal or in the seven seals, because I just feel like I've had this on my heart for well, probably a month and a half that it that it was necessary that we really see what has been revealed in the opening of the seals. It's necessary because God sent it to us for that reason. It's not necessary that we understand it or maybe be uh, uh, in a way of memorizing it or anything like that. But the significance of it to us individually is very powerful. Actually, Brother Tom touched on it last Sunday. Brother Michael touched on it on Wednesday. And, and you'll see how that connects together this morning. But as Brother Branham begins to preach on the seals, he goes through the first four seals and he lays out the the first seal and the first horse rider, the second seal and second horse rider. You see these in Revelation chapter 6. And then he comes to the fifth seal and he begins to, before he gets into the fifth seal, he begins to recap the meaning of these four horse riders and what it is that God sends to combat them. You see, we are in a combat. We are not in a retirement. We are not in an age where we just relax and sit back and say, oh, well, everything's done, and it is a finished work, but we're still in the midst of a combat between God's power and Satan's power. There are two forces at war, and you are on one side or the other, or let me say it specifically, you are yielding yourself to one or the other. I want to say it very, very clearly this morning. You have, you, you're not sitting on the fence. You are yielding yourself to one power or another. You're in the midst of a combat. There is no neutrality. 
You've got to determine what side of the fence that you're standing on. So let's take just some time here, and I want, to, I want you to just see it because there's so much that I want to say that Brother Branham already said. I don't want to say it wrong, and I don't want to place it wrong. So I want to, as I go along, I want to put it up on the screen. So you can put that up on the screen for me, please, as we go through these things. Now, Brother Branham lays out the purposes, the purpose of God dealing with the church in the Holy Spirit in four distinct, and I won't say separate, but four distinct ways in separate times. All right, if I can say it this way. Is this all right this morning? Okay. Now, and I'll just maybe jump into it as he describes these creatures. I could go into the scene of Revelation 4 at length, but he, he, he talks about it. Let me just, before I put that up, let me background this quote. And he says, now one of those creatures we find out in studying the revelation of the churches, he says, one of them was the lion, the other one was the ox, the other one was a man, the other one was an eagle. So there we see Brother Branham's description. He says, we find out the church age, in the church ages that those four beasts, meaning four powers, all right? He says, was gathered around the acts of the apostles just the way the tabernacle in the wilderness, okay? So he's describing these four beasts here being just the way the tabernacle was set up in the wilderness. I'll go a little bit further here. He says, they were watching over this, the lamb and the word. What are they watching over? The lamb and the word to perform the word just as they did the Ark of the Covenant in the holy place, in the wilderness, and so forth. All right, so we see now these four anointings are watching over what? The Lamb and the Word. If you have the Word in you, they're watching over you. All right, they're not limited to a physical location. You are the tabernacle of God in this day. If you have been born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You're sealed to the day of your redemption, and these anointings are watching over you. And they're protecting you ju just, Brother Brown says, just as they did in the Old Testament in the wilderness, which we'll, we'll show you that in just a moment here. He says, notice the nature of the beast was exactly a tribal emblem. All right? And so, so he's the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle all ties into the, uh, the Old Testament tribes of Israel. Now, we're going to go back there just for a moment, so bear with me as I put up just a, a kind of a raw uh, graphic of the tabernacle in the wilderness. And the tabernacle in the wilderness, of course, represented us. It was a type of you, which is the true thing that is being protected by these anointings. All right? And it's, it's got three places, the Holy of Holies, the, the Holy Place, and the Outer Court, just like you have a soul, a spirit, and a body. And in the Holy of Holies dwelt the presence of God, just like in your soul dwells the Holy Spirit. All right? And so we see all of these places have, have uh, parts of service and different things which we won't describe. Paul describes them in the Scripture. You can read them in the Scripture, and we've spoke about them at other times. But I just want you to see now this is a type of you. 
All right? So let's just shrink that down just a little bit as we just describe the layout now in the uh, tabernacle in the Old Testament because it wasn't by itself in the wilderness. It wasn't a church that was somewhere far off. You know, the people just would travel off to church just like we do know. It had a specific uh, uh, encampment round about it in the wilderness. So firstly, and I see the contrast on this color is not very good for you, so uh, I was worried about that, and my worries have manifested. But these are, the, these are the priesthood. These are the ministry. Now this is significant because even when Israel was coming into the promised land, as they begin to go uh, forth, uh, from the wilderness into the promised land, uh, Joshua was commissioned to have the priesthood take the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and stand in the Jordan River. Is that right? And when they stood there, the waters parted, and then Israel could go through. <coughs> Excuse me if I cough a little bit this morning. I had no voice on Thursday, and so I was pretty sure the devil didn't want me to preach this morning, but here I am, by God's grace. Now, as they were coming into the promised land, Joshua commanded the people, stay a thousand cubits behind the ark or stay back from the ministry. In other words, you've got to see that the word is carried on the shoulder of the ministry. There's no other way. David tried to put it on a new cart. It didn't work. It's got to be carried on the shoulder of the ministry as much as people might not like certain ministers. As much as they might say, well, you know, ministers have failed and ministers have made mistakes. God has no other way. The entire gospel of Jesus Christ, the entire Bible is filled with men that God used who all made mistakes. Except the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who never made a mistake. And so God has a purpose in that. And so he puts around the ark and right at the, around the tabernacle and right at the entrance of the tabernacle there, if I can show it here, you see Moses and Aaron. And now, uh, Brother Nathan, if I'm doing a, a point on this, you can move the mouse to where I'm pointing for the people on the internet. So we see Moses and Aaron right here. Uh, in the setup of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Now, around that, you had the tribes. And they were set up also. And this really isn't a good tr contrast either. And uh, I hope that you that are on the internet can catch this. But uh, uh, these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And that you'll notice down in the bottom right-hand corner is the, is the directions. And on the north was Dan and the other tribes on the east was Judah and the other tribes. On the south was Reuben, excuse my spelling mistake, and the other tribes. And on the west was Ephraim and the other tribes. Now, these are significant because each of these tribes had a symbol. Dan, Ephraim, Reuben, and Judah. <coughs> and these symbols were what Brother Branham was talking about was in the book of Revelation chapter 4 that, that John also saw represented in the four anointings. You with me? All right. The lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. They were there, Brother Branham said, for the protection of the church. So the reason God had an encampment here <coughs> is he's protecting his word. His word will come to pass. Now, why is he protecting his word? Because the devil's trying to attack it. And in the church, 
under the seals, it was exposed what the devil's tactics were. The devil came in the form of a white horse rider, a red horse rider, a black horse rider, and a pale horse rider. The rider was the same. The horse was different, and the horse, (coughs) sorry, like these beasts, represent a power. So as the devil rides on a power to come against the church, the Holy Spirit sends a power into the church. Amen? All right. So let's just put those guys up there, if we would. These are little graphics that I pulled off the internet. Excuse me if they're not exactly the way you envision them. I'm not sure how to envision them. But we know that the, if we look at these, we, we see, uh, firstly, was a, a white horse rider. And he came in the first age, and he had a bow but no arrows. He was a bluff. And then came the red horse rider, and he had a sword. And <coughs> it was given unto him <coughs> to kill with that sword. And then come a black horse rider. He had a pair of balances in his hand. Measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And, you know, and then finally in the last, the last ride of the devil would be a pale horse. And his name was Death. And that's the age you're living in. And that's the time. Now, they come from without the camp. <coughs> I'm really sorry about this cough. And uh, because they come, from, maybe you give me a little bit more volume, and then I'll try not to speak so loud, and that won't aggravate. <coughs> now, sorry, that's just a little bit too much. <laughs> but... The death anointing, and the Bible says, hell follows after him. That's the battle you're in. He comes from outside the camp, but his purpose is to attack the word. The Bible? Come in this church and burn our Bibles? No, 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 no. The word that is in you. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. Then ask what you will, and it shall be done. All right, let's go back to the fifth seal here. Now we see the devil changing. Four beasts meant what power he revealed to the world, and how they ended on this pale death horse. Now let's look at God's powers of these beasts to combat them. And there's my title, combat. The power of God to combat the devil. Amen. Amen. He says, when the Antichrist was riding with his false teaching, God sent his teaching God sent his teaching out the word, the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is the word made manifest in the Holy Spirit. Now this is important. When he sends out his word, it's not a Bible school. When he sends out his word, it's the word made manifest in the Holy Spirit. God sends out, that's his power. 
coming to something here. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just want you to emphasize, I just want to emphasize what Brother Branham is saying. He says, that's the reason the early church, that's the reason the early church had healings and miracles and visions and power is because it was the living word in the form of the lion of the tribe of Judah riding out to combat that. Sorry, just turn me off for a second. It was the living word in the form of the lion of the tribe of Judah riding out to combat that. It was the living word in the form of the lion of the tribe of Judah, Old Testament, riding out to combat what? The white horse rider, the bluff. There was the word in living form. That's the reason they had miracles. That's the reason they had visions. That's the reason they had power. (coughs) Now you got it. He sends his power, the Antichrist, and God sends his, the word. Amen. 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 See, the Bible says when when the... Thank you. I was thinking I needed that. Thank you, Brother Larry. I was, I was standing here thinking, Lord, send somebody with, a, with one of those throat lozenge things. And that was God that spoke to you. Amen. Amen. All right. Are we all right? Amen. I'm doing better all the time. Praise the Lord. All right. The scripture says when the enemy comes in like a flood... The Spirit of God raises a standard against it. Doesn't matter what kind of a battle you're in. Doesn't matter what kind of an enemy that's come against you. God sends these things to combat them. Now, Brother Tom took the Scripture. I'll just leave those up there for a second. Brother Tom took the Scripture last Sunday and says, Jesus in Acts chapter 1 saying to the disciples, he says, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. And Brother Tom so aptly explained it. They came out in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, like a lion. Why was that? That's the power that God sent into the church to combat the Antichrist spirit. So when we speak about the powers that are around the throne, that's the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Where Jesus said, you shall receive power. So if you're looking for <coughs> the power of God, it's got to come in the form that God sends it. And you'll see that as we go along here. So these are exactly the tabernacle representation brought into reality in the day that we're living in. The power is not... Uh, the power is to combat the enemy... I'm trying to refrain from preaching, but every statement I read, it's like, I want to preach on this. The power is to combat the enemy. The power is not to come to you as though it's going to take you somewhere that doesn't require any surrender on your part. Lord, just I want what you want. Just 
just do something in my life and make me perfect and make me have no battles. That's not the power. The power is the power of combat. The power is the power of overcoming. The power is the power of victory. The power is the power of God vanquishing the works of the devil. For this cause was Jesus manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the power. I better quit preaching. (coughs) That's the power that we have. Not power to change who you are. Now, not power to change who you are, but power to cause you to recognize who you are. You were deceived, and you thought you were something else. But the power of God comes and causes you to identify who you are in the Word. By now, you've all been to camp. Was that two weeks ago now? And uh, again, I apologize. I'll be apologizing all service at this rate. But you've all been to camp, and you've all realized, I'll speak to the young people, the young men, the young women, especially in your prayers and waiting upon God, your experiences with God, all that God met you, and even the older ones, God met you. By now you've realized that God, in all that he delivered you from, he did not deliver you from your own weak flesh. No, you didn't change. Your flesh didn't change. You still have a weak flesh. You have the same weak flesh you had before camp. The difference is God sent power to deliver you from the power of the devil. Because the devil wants to control the outer court. He wants to determine what goes into your eyes, what goes into your ears, what goes into your mind, so that he can manipulate your life. But God has set you free from that. You still have a weak flesh. Brother Tom preached on that just before camp. The... uh, Perfect strength and perfect weakness. But you got to recognize how weak you are. And God doesn't use your weakness, but he pours his strength into your weakness and he uses himself. Amen. Amen. So we come to church this morning, not as people, oh, I'm an overcomer, I'm strong, praise the Lord, I've lasted two weeks since camp. No, we come as weak as we were before. We come as needy of people as we were before. But we come recognizing he is the one that has set us free. Amen. He has sent his power into the church to deliver them from the works of the enemy. Power, not to relax. Power to overcome. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3 says, Thank you. Praise the Lord. Another Holy Ghost filled believer. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. For though we walk in our weakness, we do not war after our weakness. The problem is not your weak flesh. I have to emphasize this because people get so misunderstanding of what God does for them. God did not change your flesh. There's coming a change of the flesh. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's coming. 
But in your weak flesh, if the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body, or as Brother Branham explained it, bring your body subject to the Word of God. Amen, Sister Barb? That's a reality. Can I mention it? She, she called the office the other day. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. She was having an attack of blood pressure. And, and you know, she, we just, she said, could I just have someone pray with me? And, and so I prayed with her on the phone. And we just prayed. What do you do when you pray? You're not laying hands on somebody now because they're in a different location. But you begin to recognize the promise of God. God, you said, You're the God that heals all of our sicknesses and diseases. Lord, you said, by your stripes I'm healed. Lord, you said, if any two would agree together concerning anything, they shall have what they ask for. Lord, you said, and Sister Barbara bear me with, that's just all I do when I pray. I just begin to remind the Lord of his promises. And as I remind him that, that because faith comes by hearing the word, then our faith becomes energized by the word and the victory comes. Praise the Lord. It wasn't a very long prayer, but by the end of the prayer, Sister Barb's testimony was, I'm starting to feel better already. Praise the Lord. What is that? That's him and how he operates. The devil wants control over your weak flesh. Your flesh is weak, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. You with me this morning? All right. So though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not self-improvement. They're not medicine. They're not, I mean, medicine's okay. That, if that makes you feel better, that's wonderful. Don't become reliant on it. But that's, that's good if it helps you. Medical science, all those kind of things. Music, all kinds of different things. But our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. Casting down, the first example, casting down imaginations. In other words, casting down things that are contrary to the word. Imagination. What is worry? It's the misuse of imagination. Be careful for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, make your request with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. The Lord, the Lord spoke to me during camp to change my approach a little bit, uh, especially for my family. And I just began, my wife noticed it right away. So as we would pray for the family, instead of just praying for the family, I just began to say, Lord, I'm looking forward to that reunion you have planned. Yeah. Lord, I'm, I'm looking forward to that time we can all be together around the word of God. Yeah. Lord, I'm so looking forward to that. Amen, parents? Just begin to give thanksgiving for what you know is true, though you don't see it yet. It's the same principle of thank God for my healing. I can see uh, Brother Ibia and different ones. You know, you just begin to praise God for what you know is in his word, and it must come to pass. <laughs> He's an eternal God, casting down imaginations. I better move forward. But imaginations will tell you every reason why the promise of God won't work. But faith will tell you it's indisputable. 
and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing you into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We think of those things when we think of combat. Ephesians 6, we think about the weapons that are given to us, the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. So there, there is something that you must do. You must equip yourself. God makes it available to you. But you must put it on. I, I, we have to speak to the young people of this generation. What do they call them? Gen Z? Gen, I don't, unknown? I don't know what it is. But there's something about this generation, they say, that doesn't want to work. How many of you are willing to work for the full armor of God? Are you willing, brothers? Are you willing to be men about it? Put on the whole armor of God. Take a hold of what God gives you. He sends his power in the church that you may combat the enemy. But are you willing to enter into combat? Don't enter into this, this age's sissified idea of manhood. That's not what it's about. It's a fight. And you better be ready to fight. You're not going to fight for your salvation. But when you have your salvation, you're going to have to fight to put on the whole armor of God. All right, let's go back to the fifth seal. Let's follow these through now. So we talked about the lion. And then Brother Brown says, Now the second beast that the Antichrist sent out was a red beast that he wrote on was to take peace from the earth and war. Now the second one that went to combat him was the ox beast. That ox means a labor, a beast of burden. Now this is the second anointing sent into the church. It is power. And you shall receive power after you receive the Holy Ghost. To be a witness of me. But now it's a different type of power. It's not the lion power now. Are you with me? You haven't heard it preached this way because I've never heard it preached this way. I was just studying this and the Lord just began to open it up. But now this power is in a different form. Because you're in a different time and the devil has a different power. And you need to be able, the church, to combat the devil's power. And by this you will overcome. So God sends the ox anointing (coughs) into the church. And by that ox anointing, God so delivers it into the church till it looks like, now listen, out of the book of Acts, they, they went out under that lion anointing or power and began to spread the gospel in the world, fearless, and going out to different areas and being dispersed under the persecution. Under the persecution, they were dispersed, not killed. There was those that gave their lives. There was martyrs. But the anointing was to spread the gospel. The anointing was to be a lion. Now it's an ox. It's a sacrificial, an anointing of labor. And they begin to be killed, 60 million of them, during the dark ages. Now you could look at that and say, what's wrong with those people? Don't they have the Holy Ghost? Why are they just being burned? Don't, what's, what was the, the evidence of the Holy Ghost in the first age? It was a lion. 
Now all of a sudden things begin to change. What, 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 what's going on here? It's another anointing. And so that anointing comes on the church and it's the Holy Ghost in them <laughs> leading them to the stake to be burned. Let me just read a little further. See, that shows the Thyatiran age. After the Antichrist got settled down and come into the Thyatiran age, the little church could do nothing but just simply labor. And another thing, the ox is also a beast of sacrifice. See, they give their lives just as freely as they could give them. They receive power to give their lives. It wasn't that the boldness wasn't there. But that wasn't the anointing. It wasn't that the word wasn't being spread, but this was the anointing. This was the power in the church. It wasn't that you didn't see other things, but this is what God was doing. He says, the martyrs down through the ages, there suffered terribly. But what was they? They were under the inspiration, the spirit of God, the power. And don't forget this church, and you brethren on tape, I want you to examine this. How could man do anything else besides the power of God that had been released to them? You can't. You shall receive power. And it will make you do what you do. It's not you doing it. It's God in you living through you. Let me just read a little bit further on that thought. I'm going to set this box up here to represent that. I, I don't know, really know what that sentence means. But he says, if God sends a certain spirit among them, that's the only thing that they can work by, is the spirit that works among them. Now you can imagine some, some I'll just say, uh, some preacher amongst them, maybe not really grounded in the word, just coming amongst them, teaching, listen, why aren't you like Peter? Why aren't you like Paul? Why aren't you like, like Stephen? Or well, Stephen did give his life, but why aren't you like Philip, you know, who was caught away in the spirit? Why aren't you this or why aren't you that? They could only work by the spirit that God sent amongst them. They couldn't do anything else. Dark ages. It's not even much recorded. You can read Fox's Book of Martyrs. You can see testimony after testimony after testimony. Brother Brown says, Now we'll prove to you by the history of the church and of the seals and the powers that let loose. And watch exactly the church responded to the anointing. They couldn't do nothing else. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? They didn't care because the spirit of the church in that day was sacrifice, labor. They walked up just as freely as they could walk, anointed with the true spirit of God for that age. You hear what a prophet of God says? He said they were anointed with the true spirit of God for that age. And died like heroes of sacrifice, thousands times thousands, 68 million of them on the record. Ox sacrifice. Hallelujah. Under the ox anointing, 
was a man called John Huss. Anybody ever heard of him? Jan Huss is his name, actually. <coughs> he was Czechoslovakian. Great preacher in the city of Prague. <coughs> I'm sorry. And John had a great ministry. Matter of fact, he was he came at, in the year 1415. He was burned at the stake. And he said to them, as, his, as the flames were taking a hold of his body, I can't imagine the torment that these believers went through, but anointed to do it. He said, you're going to burn a goose. Hus means goose. He says, you're going to burn a goose, but in 100 years, you will have a swan that you can neither roast nor boil. That was 1415. 1515 was Martin Luther. A hundred years later. Preaching the same thing that John Huss preached. Matter of fact, it was in 1515 that, uh, that Luther was assigned to preach on the book of Romans in the church of Wittenberg. And I preached, I, I didn't preach, but I've been there. <coughs> I've looked at Martin's pulpit and I've stood in the church where the people stood. And, <coughs> and we find out that, that Martin Luther began to preach so much in his realization as he studied history. And God gave him a revelation that the just shall live by faith. And after a while he realized, I'm preaching the same thing that John Huss preached. Now, why wasn't Martin Luther killed? The anointing changed. The power that was sent into the church changed. They couldn't kill him. The Antichrist spirit now was no longer uh, battling against the ox anointing, but now it was battling against the man anointing. Now this is a different anointing in the church. And so the Catholic church, though Luther was a heretic, the same as John Huss was, they couldn't destroy him. Because that anointing was over. <clears throat> Luther was no longer under the anointing to give himself up to be burned at the stake. They wanted to, but they couldn't. <laughs> Why not? The simple answer is the anointing changed. Luther looked in the word of God and saw that just shall live by faith and a power came on him. And you shall be witnesses. The power to take the word and testify the word in the age he was living in. And that word just began to go out from there. And out of there came ministries. And out of there came deliverance. And Brother Branham says, I maybe should just read. He says, the next thing that went out to combat that was a beast with the face of a man. Smart, educated, shrewd, fine, anointed with that spirit of that day. Idolatry brought the man beast went forth. <coughs> with the power of God, by wisdom of God, that God gave him, and brought the church from idolatry back to God. A power went into the true church to break the power of man-made church. Idolatry was broken. Man-made creeds was broken. It's an amazing thing. Are you still with me? Amen. All of these false things began to be broken. Were they all broken at once? 
No, but a power had come into the church. It was different than the power of the dark ages now that the church was now empowered by the Holy Spirit to take this gospel to a level it had not been since the early church. And so they begin to move out. He says, and this began to break the power of the church in that day. Now I want to come to, let me just say it this way. Then the last power, he brings down the eagle to restore the children back to the original faith again of the fathers, the eagle age. Praise the Lord. I want to come back to this. The power, notice the antichrist power there. And let me go back a minute here to the third anointing. Because you got to see the third anointing in order to see what's taking place in our day. Under the third, or the man anointing, came reformation and restoration. Okay? It's amazing. Now here, are you with me? I know you're listening. It's amazing that the first revelation that Luther caught from the Word of God under that power, it's amazing to me, was not the truth of the Godhead. That wasn't what broke the Spirit. It was faith. The just shall live by faith. To me, you know, the deity of Jesus Christ, the truth of the Godhead, is a great powerful revelation. But that wasn't for that time. But yet the Holy Spirit revealing His Word, the just shall live by faith. And those that rose up in that hour with this great revelation, anointed with the power of God to preach this Word in their generation, begin to preach justification by faith. And God began a deliverance for his church. But as that began to die down or take seed or become denominational, then God took it further under the same man anointing. And that Wesley now, under that same anointing, begin to see it's not just that the just shall live by faith and fatalism and you say, this is a good one, and you say you believe the message. That's not just the evidence of the Holy Ghost by itself. No, it's more than that. Is that it produces something in your life. And John Wesley began to see that and he began to preach a holy life. He began to preach a sanctified life. He began to preach the power of God under the same anointing. God taking his word further. And then, then along come the Pentecostals. Let me just say it. The way Brother Branham said it in 1958. Excuse this. Turn this off. I'm sorry, folks. Okay. <clears throat> you are dealing with a man that is just a wreck up here. <laughs> but I'm determined I'm going to preach this. Brother Brown said, when the Wesleyans come along with their revival, they said, we don't need you Lutherans anymore. But did you know the very life that was in the blade made the tassel? In other words, the very life that was in Luther made what Wesley was? All right. He says, it can go no further until it uses the blade because it's got its pollen shakes off itself into the blade and there brings forth an ear. And by, and by the ear of corn come out, it had grains in it. And that was the Pentecostal, the restoration of the gifts coming back to the church. 
Now the ear can't look back and say, Tassel, I have no need of you. Or blade, and either one, because it's taken the blade and the tassel to make the ear. What is it? It is God's church further matured. And all, that's all that it is, that is in it. He said, we can see things now that the ear's ripe, the end's at the time of the end, and I know that we got a lot of fungus in the ear. He says, but it's still an ear, just the same. He says, that's right. He says, we have a lot of ins and outs, a lot of isms, but God will shave that all off one of these days, and we'll have a perfect ear of corn one of these days. <laughs> Hallelujah. The same Holy Spirit that fell on Pentecost is bringing it about. Amen. So it was under Wesley that actually a lot of the outward manifestations, and I'm just taking you through some history here now, begin to manifest. The shakers came in that time. But they believe when you got the Holy Ghost, it made you shake. That's all right. Many times it was the Holy Ghost that made them shake. Another one says, you got to shout. you got to shout so loud. And when you shouted, you really had it. And even as Brother Brown said, some of them that shouted didn't have it. But yet, the Holy Ghost did make some people shout. <laughs> Are you with me? They, there was those that were slain in the Spirit. The slaying in the Spirit didn't come in these last days. That, that was, goes way back to Wesleyan time. Slaying the Spirit, and they had to pour cold water on them and all those kind of things. So, so they, they had these different manifestations. And even when it came into the Pentecostal era of the early 1900s and the restoration of the gifts, they began to manifest things that the church wasn't used to, like tongues and prophecy and different things. That was the Holy Spirit. And let me say, that is the Holy Spirit. All right, God putting these things in the church. We can't look back at that and say, oh, you know what? We don't need justification because this is another time. Are you with me? That was restored 500 years ago, but that's still part of the church. Oh, we don't need uh, the sanctified life because that was Wesley's day. It doesn't matter how we live. No, no, that was restored in the church. That's part of the gospel. You say, well, we don't need the restoration of the gifts and that kind of thing that was restored 100 years ago or more than 100 years ago in the church. No, that was restored in the church. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in the church. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. God restored. He didn't restore to take them away. He restored them into the church. And so these are all our reality that's in the church. Are you with me? All right. So Brother Brown says, another place, he says, this is Christ revealing his own word, 1965. Down through the age, we started off the foundation from the first church age when the seed went in. I'm coming down to this time, all right? Just stay with me. When the seed went in the ground, the complete seed. Then it come out through the feet, Luther, back to, out into Wesley, then into the Pentecostals, the tongues and the lips. Now it's in the eyes, prophetic of Malachi 4 and so forth. Now there's nothing else left for it to come but himself to step into that. He's been forming up the church through the restoration of all these things. You shall receive power. That's still the subject. He sends his power. Now, ox, a lion, ox, man. But now we come to another realm, all right? And, and I'm going to put that back up on the screen in just a moment here. 
The next is the intelligence. We have no intelligence of our own. It's his. We have no sight of our own. How can a man foresee things? He can't do it. It's God himself. It's coming to a place. He's governed the body all the way through. Then the complete... I want my throat to clear up on this sentence. Then the complete body of Christ is revealed in the form of a bride that was taken out of his side like Adam's was at the beginning. Then she's beautiful. Then she's complete. Then like Adam looked at, here, at, at Eve and said, Whoa, man. Sorry. Christ looks at the church and says, she's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, life of my life, spirit of my spirit. Amen. That's what Christ is doing in the church. He's molded us back into position that in the last days we stand complete in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, so then he says, I'll take the last quote here. Notice the Antichrist was on a pale horse. Mixed color. A horse is a beast that represents a power. His power is all mixed up. Why? It's politics. It's national powers. It's religious powers. It's demon powers. It's all kinds of powers mixed together. A pale horse. He's got all kinds of powers. That's from the fourth seal. Go back to the first quote. Then at the last power, he brings down the eagle. Hallelujah to restore the children back to the original faith again of the fathers, the eagle age. Hallelujah. All right. That's the end of that slideshow. Thank you. Now I can get to, get to the subject here. As Brother Tom said next, last week, I was going to say next week, maybe he'll say it again. Go back to his subject. But, you know, Brother Branham, after the opening of the seals, now think about it in the opening of the seals. Brother Branham here in the fifth seal, he's saying lion, ox, man, and then he comes to eagle. Now the eagle anointing came to the church in the revelation of the seals. Brother Branham explains that, if you want to read it in the message, Easter seal and rising of the sun, 1965. I want you to catch this because this is important for you. Brother Branham talking about an eagle anointing in the church, he couldn't talk about its impact in the church because it was still future. All the another, other anointings were history. And he could point back and say, this happened and this happened and that happened and the, under these anointings in the church, this is what took place. But now he's on the crux of the anointing now being sent in the church. God is taking the man anointing away and putting the eagle anointing in the church. And I want to say it again. He's not taking away what he restored. He's, ta- he's changing the power. And you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so as, as Brother Tom said last week when the lion went out and everything. But now when Brother Branham preached the seals. I want you to catch what Brother Tom was saying. When he preached the seals. What he preached in the seals became explained in the messages that followed. So now as the eagle anointing is upon the church and upon the messenger to the church. Now the messenger himself has come from a man anointing, a restoration anointing, 
has now come to a prophetic anointing. That's why he would say, it's not first pull, it's second pull, third pull. What was the third pull? The third pull was the opening of the word. Anointed ones at the end time, he says, and remember the third pull was the opening of those seals. And so that third pull part of his ministry was to loose the word. And just as importantly, by loosing the word, looses another power into the church. So that by the anointed word of this day, you shall receive power to be witnesses of God. And so Christ, the mystery of God, revealed the token message, perfect faith, which if I get time, I'll refer to some things that he said there, anointed ones at the end time. Well, let me just talk about perfect faith for a moment. What, what is the eagle anointing to take us to? We know, all of these brothers have preached it, the message is to take us to the rapture. That's what it's for, is to get the bride ready for the rapture. And as Brother Bradham explained in the message, perfect faith, oh, he's very subtle. Perfect faith, I love, I love the paradox of perfect faith. In perfect faith, and I'm going to have to paraphrase it because there's no way I could preach all these things today. But in the message, perfect faith, he says, he says if you had perfect faith, he says, you wouldn't even need a prayer line. And then in perfect faith, he has a prayer line. There's a paradox for you. Praise the Lord. He's not criticizing prayer lines. He's saying, what, your, what is your level of faith? He says right there in perfect faith, he says, what I'm doing today is to test the church and see if they've caught what level they've come up to in the things that we're believing. So he's showing in the message perfect faith that really the revelation of the word of God is that in these last days under the eagle anointing is to take the cover or the seals off the book to give you an open book, not just to show you who Jesus is, but to show you who you are. To show you the revelation of yourself. To show you that nothing can stand before your prayers. Hallelujah. I was thrilled with with the skit presentation, whatever you want to call it, of Esther. And that scene is the most, the most, to me, the most beloved scene in the entire Bible to me, as far as a type. And there when Esther, quaking, comes into the presence of Hazarus in burden for her people, and she knows the law says that if you come to the king uninvited, it's death. And she's, she's looking at, unless he extends the scepter, Oh, if you understand what that means to extend the scepter, Ahasuerus is a type of God. The scepter is not the word, I'm sorry, but the scepter is his righteousness. The Bible says it's the scepter of his righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is recognized faith in his word. When he reaches his scepter to you, it shows that he has recognized your faith and that you stand spotless in his presence. Hallelujah. Oh, I love that scene. I love to read that scene. I love to watch it there in the presentation. There Esther realizing I'm guilty of the law. I'm guilty, but I'm coming anyway. And when she comes into the presence of Ahasuerus, he reaches out the scepter to, to show her who she is. You are my beloved. Hallelujah. I am my beloved and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. Oh, glory to God. 
she just recognizes I have been accepted in his sight. I have been accepted. I have been accepted, Lord. If I have been accepted, then hear my petition. Glory. The word is coming this hour to show you that you are accepted. Then if you are accepted, then stand before God and say, if I am accepted, oh Lord, hear my petition. Hallelujah. Hear my petition for my family. Hear my petition for my sickness. Hear my petition for my loved ones. Hear my petition, oh God. I'm standing before you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. It's power. The word become open to give you power over the Antichrist spirit. Oh, and what an Antichrist spirit it is. That third, that, that spirit, that evil thing of this age. I'm just asking the Lord where he wants me to go here. But Brother Brown says about it, what kind of powers? He says, politics. We're certainly seeing the power of politics, aren't we? Politics to shut down churches. Politics to change the laws. Politics to put people under subjection. Politics to change the rules. We're going to exalt the gays and put down the straights. Sorry, but that's the reality. We're going to exalt the perverted and put down the people that are normal. That's the way we're going to do it now. That's politics. Brother Brown goes on and says, National powers. What's national powers? Economic powers. We see inflation and money pumped into the system and economics change and things turned upside down. See, Brother Branham was prophesying in the seals saying this is the pale horse. This is what's going to happen. During that time, the early 60s now, America was at her climax. Talk about the people. They were free. They had economic strength. They could do it. The American dream was alive. He says there's coming a pale horse that's going to destroy all these things so he can get to the word. But I'll tell you what, there's a people in this age that are anointed with the power of God that are not going to listen to the devil's lie. I don't care what the government says. I care what the word says. I don't care what economics say. I care what the word says. Amen. My God shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. He says it's religious powers. Oh yeah, religious powers. Churches changing their ideas and coming in different ways and allowing certain things into the church and worldlyism and all this kind of things. You see it all around you now. You didn't see it much in Brother Branham's day, but you see it now. And he says demon powers. Woo! Demon powers causing insanity in people. Till men think they're women and women think they're men. That's demon powers. Till it runs rampant and all kinds of abuses in the world, all kinds of criminality. The only way to lower the crime rate in the world is to eliminate the law. If there's no law, there's no crime. 
If murder's not against the law, well, guess what? The murder rate is zero. Doesn't mean people aren't getting killed. That's what's happening now. They say, oh, the crime rate's going down. Well, yeah, you've changed the laws. You stop arresting people. You start letting them out of jail. All kinds of demon powers loose in society. Demon powers in the schools. I'm so glad for you teachers over at BCA. I'm so glad for you because I got kids coming into the school system again. I got little children again. Pray for me. I'll never be without children, it ends up. And here we are, you know. Pray for those children. I got a testimony for you at the end of the service about a schoolboy. Powers. But you know what? We've come under a different power in this day. If I could just emphasize it. I was listening to somebody talk about it the other day, a brother in another place. And and he was talking about, you know, how that, Brother Brown talks about when Jesus was caught up into paradise, he says, each one recognized him, Brother Brown says, as he was in their day. It was only one Jesus. But when Abraham looked at him, he says, oh, it's Melchizedek. Genesis 18. Genesis 19. It's the one that met us on the plains of memory. Oh, look at that. Daniel said, oh, no, no, no. He's he's the the great white-wigged one. He's the ancient of days. I've seen him, and I see him now. He's the same one. Oh, Ezekiel say, oh, he's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. I know him. You know, Jacob say, I saw him standing up at the top of the ladder one day, and I talked to him. It was God. I see him right there. That's who he is. Now, let me ask you a question. Did they have a different Holy Ghost? anointing in their day? Abraham said he was this. Uh, uh, Jacob said he was that. Ezekiel said he was this. Daniel said he was that. Oh, which one was it? It was all of them. It was God in Morphe. Changing his mask, revealing himself in the day they were living in. Is the Holy Ghost different today than it was in the man age? No. Is it different than it was in the dark age? No. Is it different than it was? It's all resurrection power. Because they all had to have resurrection power because they're coming up in the resurrection to meet us in the air. Is that right? So it's the same Holy Ghost down through the ages, but the power that is loosed in the church. As I was explaining the other day to somebody, I said, listen, the whole Bible is in effect, but God sends his anointing on a particular part of the word of God to loose his power for your day. We don't need to build an ark. God's not anointing that part of the scripture. We need to come into the image of Jesus Christ and in particular recognize that we are the bride of Jesus Christ. Oh, may God tear the covers off our eyes. May take away the spiritual amnesia. Hallelujah. He's in control. What did he do? He sent a message. Could you say that because Abraham's revelation of Christ was different from Daniel's, that he didn't have the right revelation? No, he had the right revelation. He saw God as the infinite God 
revealed himself to Abraham. Daniel saw the infinite God as he revealed himself to Daniel. And so do we. He's not different than he was in Wesley's age or Luther's age or Irenaeus's age or, or, or Paul's age. He's the same Holy Ghost doing the same signs and wonders for the entire word has been restored. Hallelujah. I better get to some things here. Is this all right? Amen. Is this blessing you? Amen. It's blessing me. Amen. If I'm the only one blessed, I, I hope it's more than that, but I believe it is. Amen. Brother Brown says in 1965, he says, you see the whole program, the whole church is built upon divine revelation. Jesus said in Matthew, the 16th chapter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. What is it? A revelation of who he was. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. See the revelation of Jesus Christ in this hour. Not what he was in another hour, what he was now. He's talking about the revelation to Peter. And he says, upon this rock I'll build my church. Not what he was in another day, what he is now. That same rock is what the church is built upon in this day. The revelation of who Jesus is. Not what he was in another day, what he is now. Are you with me? He says, the Bible expresses its growing in a bride to the full statue. Same quote, same, just a continuation. Therefore, if the corn wheat of Christ had to fall into the ground, so did the bride have to fall into the ground through the dark ages. Any grain that goes into the ground must die or it can't produce it, reproduce itself. The great church that he established on the day of Pentecost by sending of the Holy Ghost had to suffer martyrdom, go into the dirt, into the earth, in the dark age to bring forth again in the age of Luther and come out in the full stature of the bride of Jesus Christ in the last day. Are you that one? Are you she? Okay, now that response was based on feelings. I'm not asking what your feelings are. I'm asking what the Word says about you. Are you she? See, that's different. Because the devil will come, the antichrist spirit, the death of this age that anoints you as you go out there into the world and shows you how weak your flesh is. But the Holy Ghost in you convicts you of your fallings and failings. And it's the Holy Ghost in you that's trying to tell you, you are she. But the antichrist spirit is anointing your flesh and your mind trying to tell you, you are not she. And so the combat is alive in this hour. The greatest battle ever fought, which is in your mind. And so the devil is fighting against the Word, and the Word is fighting against the devil. Well, how does it turn out? It depends on, like the black and white dog, which dog you feed. Not that I call the Holy Spirit a dog, Lord forbid. But what I'm saying is, what you feed. What you feed. What you take in your hands and what you feed on. 
That will determine the outcome in your life. You are she, the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And how you live is determinant upon what you allow to be in here, preeminent in your mind. Take up the word. God sent a message that you might receive power, young man. God sent a message to you that you might have power in this age. That you might be undefeatable. That you might become an invincible army in this hour. God has sent his power into it. Hallelujah. An anointed word. I just realized I was dancing around the pulpit a little while ago. I started probably looking like you, Brother Michael. My goodness, I'm not trying to impersonate nobody. Brother Brown picks it up in Rising of the Sun. Blessed art thou, Simon. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father in heaven has revealed it. Upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. What is it? It's a new birth. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. It's the same in the book of Acts. It's the same in you. It's a revelation, but it's Christ in your day. He says, I give unto you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven what you loose on earth. He says that's the divine revelation of the word made flesh. If it was flesh in that day by the son, the groom... Are you ready? You've heard this before. It's a flesh today by the bride. Are you she? Again, I'm not asking for your feelings. I'm not asking for your understanding. I'm asking for your faith. I'm she. I may not be what I want to be, but I know I'm not what I used to be. And praise God, I'm going to be there one day in that image. He's taken me to the fullness of it. He's taken me because he put power in me. You shall receive power. This power in you will loose the word to you. It'll make you an overcomer. It'll give you a prayer life. If there's anything that's lacking in this hour, Brother Michael, I understand, preached on it when I was on holidays. I haven't listened to that service yet. But you can't impersonate the relationship. If there's anything lacking in this hour, it's the personal relationship where you know how to go on your knees and go to God and pour your heart out to Him and come in contact with the wheel in the middle of the wheel till you know that God has heard your prayer and has answered your prayer. It's not based on outward circumstances. It's a relationship. I love Him and He loves me. Hallelujah. Easter seal. Brother Brown says, every time a religious power went forth to meet the challenge of the political power of the world, when the lion raised up the religious power, it went to meet the Roman power. And then when it come to the sacrifice hour, the ox went because he's the sacrifice beast to the Lord. Then come the reformers down through the church ages, come the face of a man. The reformers have been since Luther, Wesley, Calvin, on down Pentecostal age. But in the last message that went forth, there came a flying eagle. It's eagle time, reveal time. The Word of God made manifest. The Word of God proved. And then Brother Brown makes a statement that's often quoted. Oh, children, walk into this baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's not talking about a different baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every age has had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Brother Bram says the apostolic age never ended. He says when the, in Acts chapter 2, the church entered into the Feast of Pentecost in type, and the Feast of Pentecost lasts all the way to the last days until it becomes the Feast of Tabernacles, talking about the Jewish feast. So you've got to place that when Brother Brown says, enter into this baptism of the Holy Ghost. What he's saying, enter into the baptism of the Holy Ghost for this age, and you shall receive power. And the power won't be of a lion. I'm sorry, but it won't be of an ox. It won't be of a man. Though people may be bold. Though people will still give their lives for the gospel. Though people will still believe in justification, sanctification, the restoration of the gifts. But come into this baptism. Come into this power that will take a hold of you. Because as Brother Bradham said in many places, what the Pentecostals had in the early 1900s, the restoration of the gifts, is not enough to take you where you want to go. It's still part of the church. It's still in the body. But yet in the midst of all that, there's a greater power. An eagle power that was loosed upon the church to take us into a higher realm of faith in who we are. Because Brother Brown said that was the problem with the Pentecostals and the Baptists. The Pentecostals had the, had, had the gifts and the power of the Holy Ghost, but they didn't know who they were. He says in the Baptists, they knew who they were, fundamental, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost. He says if you could just marry those two together. Hallelujah. He's not talking about put the two denominations together. He says you've got to bring those two things together, and that's what the eagle anointing does. Hallelujah. It brings the power of the Holy Ghost in you, so powerful to create worlds into existence. Hey, you, you want to dance? My goodness, let's dance. Just wait till I'm going to show you something here in a minute. Praise the Lord. You want to rejoice? We got rejoicing that nobody's ever had. There's never been a message like this message. This is a 100% positive message. This is everything restored into the church. And the revelation that was hidden through all the ages. The seals have been broken that you might know who you are. That you might touch his scepter and know you've been accepted. Let me read it out of the rapture message. I'm just giving you word upon word. I'm sorry. Well, then in Wesley's age, the works that he testified did testified who he was. In Luther's age on the Reformation, why sure, it testified who he was. In the days of the Pentecostals, the restoring back of the gifts, the restoration of the gifts, speaking in tongues and casting out devils and gifts, why it testified. There was no joke about it. People said when it first raised up, I read the books of the history of Pentecost, they said it can't last long, it'll burn down. It's still burning. That which was put in the church by the Holy Spirit is still here. All right? There's no argument there. He says, it's still burning. It's because you'll never put it out. God said it would be there. It's a portion of the word. And no more could you put that out. And when the bride, and then when the bride is being called out, how are you going to put it out? That's where we're at. The bride is being called out. Not just called out to come into a different type of church. Not to hear a different preacher. The bride is being called out. Esther is coming to her revelation. To recognize she's not some lowly woman in the kingdom. She's the second most powerful person in the kingdom. Hallelujah. 
She's coming to her place. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Amen. The revelation. Who's you, how are you going to put it out? He says it's the revelation of the manifestation of the word made true. And we're living in that day. Praise be to God. The revelation of the mystery of himself. I'm looking to come to the end of this. Let me go back. Now I'm getting warmed up. Praise the Lord. Are you warmed up yet? Hallelujah. 1954. Let me go all the way back to 1954. I like to say that because I don't like it when preachers, I've talked to Brother Biscoll about this. God bless you, Sister Ruth. It's nice to have you here this morning. But I've talked to Brother Biscoll about this, and, and he says some preachers will disjoint when they're trying to preach. They'll take something from way back here and then something from way up here and then tie it to something way over here. I don't like to do that. I like to show you where it's at. And because the mystery of Christ was continually unfolding until the message was done. Right. All right? And, but here, I'm going to go back to 1954 and show you Brother Branham's thoughts even in the beginning. Now, way back in 1954, he says, what I'm trying to do is to get the Pentecostal people to let them realize who they are. It's 1954. He says, if you only knew who you was tonight, there'd come such a spontaneous whirl of faith through here that there wouldn't be a sick person. There'd be no need of having a prayer line. If the people that's here realize who they are. That's the only way you can do it. Listen, Brother Brown, I'm, and I'm, trying, I'm not critical of prayer lines. I have them overseas. You know, you get up, somebody comes up for prayer. You get up, you pray for that person. You look up and there's 20 people now lined up behind them. It just happens. It's spontaneous. And that's, that's all right. We lay hands on the sick or whatever. We pray. So I want you to see what Brother Brown's motive is here now. He says, there'd be no need of having a prayer line if the people that's here realize who they are. All right. Now, I can just hear a hush over the people. Where is he going with this? I'm just going one place. It shows us we have more to do. It shows us we have further to go. But it also shows us there's more to be had. Hallelujah. How many are glad that you, God touched you in the prayer line? Come on. Be happy. Rejoice. God touched you. We rejoice in that. That's the power of God. But now, the eagle anointing, the word of the hour, is to bring the revelation of who you are so that you won't even need a prayer line. Because what are you going to do when the, if the church gets shut down? Where's your prayer line then? You better know who you are. He says, how do you think it is in foreign nations? And I testify to this. Walking against demons and powers and everything, you have to know where you're standing. I know what it is to have witch doctors in the meeting. I know what it is to have people try and come against you, all those kind of things. That's a reality. But it's nothing when you know who you are. It's nothing when you know you're the bride of Jesus Christ. You're a son of the king. You have access into his presence. There's nothing the devil can do against you. 
He says, Satan don't care how loud you holler. Satan don't care how much you jump up and down. Satan will lay right there. But he has to recognize faith. It'll move him every time. And that's where it is today. The church has got the blessing, but they don't know it. Oh, my. Even way back in 1954, Brother Branham recognizing it back then, if they could just see who, you are, who they are. Amen. Perfect faith. Jesus walked by perfect faith in what the Word says they are. It's what the Word says you are. It's not what the devil says you are. I, was, I got an email the other day from a large corporation in Canada. And the person writing the email said, my pronouns are she, her. I looked at that and I says, I don't really care what your pronouns are. Don't give me your pronouns. Give me your nouns. His name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Who are you? I'm the spotless bride. I'm the bride without wrinkle. I'm the beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm the queen of heaven. I'm the, I'm the overcomer in Laodicea. Give me your nouns, not your pronouns. I don't care about your pronouns. Give me your nouns. I am Mrs. Jesus Christ. You want my name? My Mrs. Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I don't care what this world has to offer. I don't care what the world has to say about it. I have been united to him, pregnated by his word in the last days to bear the very image of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing the devil can do to stop me. He can play with my mind. He can make me feel bad. He can throw all kinds of diseases at me, all kinds of things. But I'll step over the top of every one of them. I'm not worried about what's coming tomorrow because I know he, God, my God, who knew me before the foundation of the world, he watched over me since I was born. He saved me in different situations. He brought me to this day. He provided. He healed for me. He gave me everything I have need of. And whatever's coming tomorrow, I'll step right over that too. If needs be, I'll push it out of the way. If whatever has to happen, why? Because I have received power. I have received the power of an eagle in this age by the Holy Ghost that has birthed me into the kingdom of God. Satan, I don't care what you have to offer. Hallelujah. That song, I just want to tell you, Satan, you can't cross the bloodline. Was it you that talked about the cord on Wednesday night? The devil's trying to deceive you. You're the elect. You're Mrs. Jesus Christ. It's personal relationship. I had to ask myself, my wife's going to play. He's not going there. Yeah, I am actually. I'm standing there singing the song, and it's a true song. It's a great song. I think Sister Leah sang it. Oh, is Sister Leah here somewhere? 
back there. Sister Leah sang it. She says, it's special. It's a great song. But as I'm standing there singing it, I'm asking myself, Lord, is it appropriate to raise my hand when I'm talking to Satan? I'm just thinking church etiquette now. I just want to tell you, Satan, I didn't know. <laughs> I was getting bound up singing that great song. I thought, you know what? I just want to tell you, Satan. I don't care. I'm not talking to the Lord here. I'm talking to you. I just want to tell you who I am. Yeah, you're going to make me feel bad next week. You're going to show me the weakness of my flesh. You're going to make me stumble and fall. I'll be deceived because I'm not in my theophany yet. And because I'm still living in this flesh, I'll still make mistakes. But you know what? That doesn't change who I am. Hallelujah. That doesn't change one bit who I am. I might see this happen in my family and I might see that happen in my family. It might go this way. It might go that way. That doesn't matter. I know who I am. I know who I am. I know my word. I have been empowered by being revealed. I am the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is the hour of the full revelation of the church that knows why Jesus died at Calvary, that knows she was in his mind before the foundation of the world. Everything was there. It was already concluded. I'm going to make it. And every promise in here is my inheritance. It doesn't matter what God anoints. It's mine. And Satan, you can't deny me. You can make up all kinds of laws. You can make up all kinds of politics. You can make all kinds of economics. You can make all kinds of demonics. You can do all kinds of things that you want in this hour. That doesn't make any difference. It's already been revealed to me. I'm his bride. Hallelujah. Is anybody happy? Glory be to Jesus. Let the hallelujahs roll. Let us ring his mighty praises far and wide. For an open. He's opened up the heavens, windows of heaven. Let's let the hallelujahs roll. Hallelujah. Does God answer prayer? Does God answer prayer? Amen. Does God answer prayer? Where'd Brother Phil go? Does God answer prayer? All right. I want to bring you down here and give a testimony. You want to give a testimony? Come on then. Come on. Does God answer prayer? I'll tell you what, God's been dealing with Brother Phil and just showing him God answers prayer. I'm not, I'm not trying to copy last week's service. I'm not going to open it up for, for the testimonies today. We're going to go home before three. You know how to turn that on. Just turn it on there. God answers prayer. Listen to what this man has to say. So, there we go. Man, a few words. Keep us brief. So, uh, last Christmas, just a couple here. Last Christmas, my uh, son, we were at the Christmas dinner, and uh, he comes up to me, William's right there. And he's like, Daddy, I have a really sore stomach. And uh, Brother Tim was there, and just immediately, he's like, let's, uh, let's pray. Would you like to pray, William? And William's like, Yes. So uh, about 15, 20 seconds worth of prayer, and it's like he, uh, we stopped praying. And William's like, Daddy, my stomach's all better, just instantly. Then uh, fast forward about two weeks ago, 
My daughter is uh, riding bikes with um, William, and we're along this rough gravel road up at Sharon Lake, Nath Road there, and it's that uh, hard pack with the, like, three-quarter crushed gravel, and she slips and falls. And she gets a kind of bunch of scrapes on her leg. And uh, I think nothing of the scrapes, but I think of a bit of a gash on her, uh, her knee. So we just bandage it up, and the next day it's, uh, it's swollen. And uh, it's a rough example, but on you know, the side of her calf right here, right there on her leg, it's uh, swollen at least that much, and it's hard. Brother Tim's underneath a little uh, sun canopy right between the cabins there, and I'm like, oh, we'll just put some you know, polysporin on it, and Brother Tim overhears what we're talking about, and he's like, well, I don't have a first aid kit, but I can pray. I'm like, this is getting useful. <laughs> so I'm like, absolutely, let's pray. And so we pull, uh, Brother, Brother Tim comes over, and we just, we just pray, and here's the funny part, what happens. I know what I saw. I know that it was that thick and hard. We finish praying, about 20-second prayer, and it goes down to this, and it's soft like that. And that's the weird part, because when you see it, it's like, did, did I see what I saw before? Like, well, I know what I saw before. It was thick like that and hard. And it goes down to that, and it's so fast, you don't even, don't even realize it. Fast forward another week, we're at camp. The Tim uh, Gideon was playing, and uh, I guess he had just got misplaced a little bit in a cabin. And we hear that Brother Tim's son is missing. And the brothers are in the chapel, and, we, uh, and we're all working away, and we hear that Brother Tim Gideon's missing. And so I just mentioned to the, the guys... Let's go, look for the, uh, let's go look for Gideon. So we go in the forest, and we're looking around, and I just go stomping into the bush, and I don't really realize why I'm going to this bush. There's no rhyme or reason. And Tim rides up on Johnny's quad, and I'm like, oh, wow, the dad is right here. And uh, we, we mentioned the volleyball court, and we got 100, 100 kids all looking for Gideon. And they, they go into that clearing last year where we had the medieval fair. They're in that clearing, and, and Tim's off the quad. I go walk up to Brother Tim, and I'm like, have, have we prayed? I said, Brother Tim, have you prayed yet? And he just stopped for a second. No, no. I'm like, he's like, we should pray. And we bow our heads for, once again, about a 20-second prayer. We say, like, you know, we just like Brother, we'd like Gideon to basically show up. And we pray. Brother Tim drives on the quad away. He's just over that bridge, just a little bit further. And we hear on the volleyball court, he's found. Like, we're talking 15, 20 seconds here. Um, one more. My, uh, my supervisor last had um, kidney issues. And they thought it was cancer. And we went into the back study there with Brother Tim. And we prayed. And they still removed the kidney, but there was no cancer in his body. And he was completely afraid it was you know, in the other kidney and through him. And... I just want to say it's been just an absolute blessing this last year to pray and God moves. And it happens so fast, you don't even realize it's happening. And it's been just a, it's been wonderful. So. Now this man is just being humble. It's not about Brother Tim. Tell him about Gideon at, the, at your parents' house. At your parents' house in the wait set.
Oh. Yep. <laughs> Hold one second here. I'm trying to remember. The finger in the pulley? Okay. I wasn't there. It was you. Yeah. Th this one, this one slipped through the cracks. Because <laughs> he didn't want to say it because it wasn't me. <laughs> it was him. Uh, so last Christmas, uh, we have a weight set that we probably need to use more often, Dad. And uh, <laughs> it's in the basement, and the kids were playing downstairs. And um, the details are a little foggy here, but we'll try to recall them. So Gideon's downstairs, and we hear a scream, and Brother Tim's not there. And uh, it's that scream you hear as a parent, you just go, something's wrong. And we go running downstairs, and Gideon has his finger jammed, you know, the, the, the pulleys when you, when you do like a, a pack press, basically. You pull that, and that pulley in the back, it draws that uh, aircraft cable through. Well, it pulled his finger up, and now his finger was in there, and it was jammed. And uh, my son William at the time has the presence of mind, and we both have the presence of mind to just pull a little bit, but his finger is completely, um, it's jammed in there, and it's swollen, and he's, he's screaming, and it wasn't good. And uh, at that time, we get the finger out, because William pushed on the thing, we get the finger out, we take him upstairs, and the finger's swollen and... Uh, crushed. Crushed, yeah. And uh, just the thought, what would Tim do? Let's say that. Sorry, but it's been a lesson. You know, it, I didn't expect him to have, have him as a brother-in-law, so it's been a lesson for me. And just the thought, Tim's not here, what would he do? And I felt that kind of responsibility because I was there. And we do, Grandpa and I think a bunch of people were there, we just said, let's pray. And once again, we just prayed for his finger. And there was no issues, nothing. It just... Swelling went down. Everything was just perfect. Amen. And these are the things that, it's small things, but it just ignites little bits of faith that we carry with us. And I just want to thank the Lord. Amen. God answers prayer. Especially when you know who you are. It's not to, nothing to do with your feelings. I don't want to become known as the man of the 22nd prayer. I thought, man, surely I prayed longer than that. But it doesn't matter. It's faith reaching the promise that brings it to pass in your life. It's not based on feelings, right, Brother Tommy? It's not based on feelings, is it? You want to give your testimony? Sure, come on. This is an older testimony. What, was it a couple years ago now? Yeah. There was a little incident, and I happened to be the only minister in the office here. And, and uh, where's your mom? Sister Rebecca. She's somewhere around here. Uh, there's Sam up there, so she's got to be up there somewhere. And she just brought him in for prayer, and there was an ongoing problem. Tell the people what your problem was. So I had kind of a weird problem. I still don't exactly know what it was. But... Um, Every day at school for a while, I was just breathing, and I, and I could feel like this pinching feeling around my heart, and I didn't know what it was, and it would just happen all the time when I'd breathe in, and it felt so painful. It felt like someone was kind of just taking a knife and just stabbing, like, constantly, and I, it was getting to the point where I was quite afraid, 
And so my mom was going to take me to the doctor, but then on the way to the doctor, we're like walking by. We're, she, we're, just come from school. Yeah, we just come from school, and I was walking out, and she's like, "Well, let's let's go in and just see who who's in the office, and and we'll uh, see if they can pray for you." So we walk in here, and and Brother Tim's just right there, and and it was and the pain was like getting it was getting worse. Like I don't even yeah, it was weird. So uh, we walk in, and Brother Tim just says a prayer, and I'm not... It was more than 20 seconds. It, it was, okay, <laughs> this one was more than, yeah, it was more than 20 seconds, and uh, I could you not, as soon as, as soon as the prayer ended, there was no more pain, and I can tell you till right now, I have never had that pain again, Amen. and the Lord has healed me from Amen. that. Amen. Amen. God answers prayer. It doesn't matter how you feel. It's how you believe. Jesus never said, did you feel it? He said, did you believe it? I remember sharing Brother Tommy's testimony when I was in Edmonton, and uh, I forgot that he was even there. Or No, I wasn't sharing your testimony. I was just talking about praying by faith, disregarding your feelings. Because many times... You'd feel like if I didn't feel it, nothing's going to happen. But I remember standing right here because I brought them into the sanctuary to use the anointing oil because I didn't have any in my office. And uh, so we just stood down right here, Sister Rebecca and, and Brother Tommy, and we just stood right here and we began to pray uh, just right there. And I just, again, went through the promises of God and began to remind God of His promises and how, how faithful He was. And, and then I concluded the prayer and they left and, and there was no actual immediate reaction on Tommy's part. And so the devil will come around and say, see, your prayers didn't work. But you know what my response to the devil always is? It's like, I don't care what it feels like. I don't see any reason why he cannot be healed. I see every reason why he can be healed. And nothing else matters. I didn't feel especially anointed. I, I wasn't especially emotional or anything in prayer. Same with, I think that was Brother Phil's emphasis, 20-second prayers. I think it was longer than 20 seconds. I really do. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter. It's not what you feel. It's what the promise says. God answers prayer. Does God answer prayer, Sister Julie? Amen. God answers prayer. She got a job this week because God answers prayer. Amen. We thank God for that. You just come into the right attitude towards the Word, whether in prayer or just by faith. As Brother Branham said, if you recognize who you are, that's what the anointing has come for in this hour, to cause you to see who you are. Break away from every other idea. Break away from every ism. It's a personal walk in Jesus Christ. And when he causes you to see who you are, as Brother Brown said, right in this service, right now, healings will spontaneously take place. Spontaneously. Somebody need to pray for you? No, nobody needs to pray for you. The words that Jesus speaks are spirit and life. 
The Word is a weapon in itself, the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God comes forth to break the hold of the enemy and does combat against the lies and the fears and the doubts of the enemy that will just try and anoint your mind and tell you you're not entitled to you. I'm telling you, you are she. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you are she. You wouldn't believe this message if you wasn't she. Praise the Lord. You are that one that this message came for. You are the one that he's opening your eyes. Take the word of God and embrace the word of God. One more testimony. You can get that slideshow ready. Then we'll close it off And after that. But uh, Josiah Aho is living in Arizona now. I should have got him to give his testimony while he was here. But this is for those of you that were at camp. Uh, how many of you know Josiah Aho? All right, and we all know him. Uh, wonderful young man, and uh, he got married. Now he's living in Arizona, but he's he was telling me that he had had shoulder troubles for years. I think Sarah would be like Jay's shoulder, constantly being dislocated and things like that. You know what that is, Karen Gill, and and so he was constantly having to have his shoulder put back in. And, Looked like he needed surgery, and I don't know if it was right shoulder or left shoulder, but he was telling me about it, and he says, one day at camp, he went through a prayer line. I think it was a prayer line. It might have been the first prayer line with Ron Spencer back then, if you can remember that camp. And uh, he said, I was believing for my shoulder. And he says, I was just believing. He went, said, I went through the prayer line. He says, and, and that was all wonderful, and, and God, uh, you know, he was just believing. He says, he says it was, he didn't really see any immediate effect. He says, but I kept believing. He says, but one day, he says, I was sitting, Brother Tim, in one of your services, and it doesn't have to be me, it can be anybody. But he was sharing the testimony with me. And he says, I was sitting in your service. He says, and you said something. That's why I wish he was here, because I can't remember what I said. But he said, you said such and such a thing. He says, as, you, as soon as you said it, he says, I think it was even at the close of the service. And he said, he says, I was standing there because I always have trouble raising my arms. He says, and when you said it, he said, it was like an electrical current went through my shoulder. He says, and something happened to my shoulder. He says, what just happened to me? I, I, something went down my arm. And he said, I don't know what happened. He says, but then as, as everybody began to raise their hands, I began to raise my hands. Hallelujah. He believed at camp. But he was sitting in a service here. And just at the right moment, with the right atmosphere, with the right words, everything just fell into place and it was over. Hallelujah. You might say, well, I didn't get what I wanted at camp. You keep believing. You just hold it before God because you are the elect of God. You are the one that God has sent this message for. Hallelujah. Do you believe? I'm feeling better and better. I could stay for another hour. Praise the Lord. Put the slides up for me. I got another slideshow for you. This is more of a missions, not really a report, but a, a missions update. And I say it's not really a report because it's only just what happened this week in Uganda. All right. I hope you'll bear with me just for a moment. It's not going to be long. But uh, firstly, I think this was Tuesday, I got this, this email. In the city of Namatumba, 
69 people were baptized in the city of Namatuma. You can see these are all new believers. They're holding up Bibles and message books that you paid for. God bless you. Those of you that are here, those of you that are on the internet that have given to missions, these are the people that are receiving what you gave them. And so God bless them. They've walked in the light of the hour, come out of their churches, and now just serving God there in Namatuma. So that's wonderful. And uh, then on Wednesday, uh, this is another baptism took place on Wednesday in another location. I don't have the location written down here. 36 more people were baptized. And there you can see, let me go back one. There you can see the wonderful transportation we're able to afford for them to get to the waters of baptism. Not exactly an air-conditioned bus, but it's air-conditioned. And they, ride, they pack them into these cars, these trucks, and get them down to the waters of baptism because you can't just find water everywhere there, even though there is a significant amount of water in Uganda. But the people don't have vehicles. They don't have bicycles. They don't have nothing. They're all on foot. But they pile into these vehicles, and they go down, and they get baptized. This was the Wednesday group. 36 people were baptized. Then on Friday, in, in uh, Katira, uh, there was another 56 people that were baptized. That's just this week, folks. And uh, uh, we just thank God for what God is doing there. Here they are here, raising their hands and, and glorifying God there with their new Bibles and their, their message books that they've received. I say praise be to God. But it's not over. Most of the young people there go to, go to uh, boarding schools. And uh, that's just the way they do it in Uganda. It's probably not the best thing. But that's the old British system that they established there in Uganda, and they're still using it. And uh, on Friday, there was a group of young people that came to Brother Fred Chienji there in Sita. And uh, all spurred on by, these are all from the same school, and there's one young man there from Brother Fred's church. And he had been witnessing in his school. This is a good testimony for school coming up. He had been witnessing in his school. And they were all now, there had now been a, a break, a school break now there in Uganda. And so they were all heading home. But they told this young man, we can't go home without being baptized. And they were, he gave me the number. I don't think I wrote it down. He... he you can see the numbers probably close to 50 here. Brother Fred said there would have been more, but some of the children had already been picked up by their parents. And so this young man, on the basis of his testimony and being a witness of the power that laid within him, now convinced so many in the school, they came to Brother Fred and they all received baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was on Friday also. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. What was it? A 14-year-old boy like David knew who he was. And he just began to testify to all his fellow students. God bless you. God bless you, Biscoe sisters, from back in those days in school, you know, Great testimonies rise up. Why? Because somebody was fearless. Amen, Sister Marilyn? Somebody wasn't scared to give a testimony. Somebody wasn't scared to live for Jesus Christ. 
When the world was going sideways, they were going upward. And they're still going upward. Amen. Glory be to God. This, this stuff just thrills my soul. I'm sorry I can't share more with you because this is just this week's. I'm going to go back to July and tell you one more story. All right? This is a minister's meeting. Brother Fred holds them every couple of weeks there in the city of Sita for the new ministers because the brothers are trying to get them grounded in the Word to take the message and establish their people. And Brother Stephen does the same in his area. Brother Elijah and different ones hold ministers' meetings for the new ministers because there's hundreds of them. This is just, this isn't even the most crowded I've ever seen this. I've seen these ministers' meetings, pictures of these ministers' meetings where there's standing room only. Right. That's just ministers. So at this ministers' meeting in July, Brother Fred said he, he began to speak, and one of the brothers stood up and said, excuse us, Brother uh, Chianji, but we've been talking amongst ourselves, and if it's okay with you, before you preach, we still want you to preach, but before you preach, we want to be baptized. We've heard enough. We are convinced and there was over 30 ministers baptized that day. They left the meeting. Hallelujah. Thirty churches became empowered by the power for this age. Amen. Those pastors are going to go home and light that place on fire. Amen. You want to see men of God rejoice? I got a short video clip here for you. You want to see them, re- see how thrilled they are at being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I need to click play or can you click play on that for me? Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at that happiness. Look at that rejoicing. Are you as happy? Are you as thrilled? This same message that they have just received is the same message that you have believed. It told them who they are, and it tells you who you are. It, it, see, they, they've had all kinds of things in their lives and ministries and different things, but the one thing they've wanted is the revelation of the Word that gives them power to overcome in this age. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. The musicians can come. Hallelujah. I'd like to start singing if I could, but I'm sure that I cannot. So, Brother Ryan, you're going to have to ch- help me here. If you find that song... I want to sing that song tonight, today. Blessed be the name of my rock who trains my hands for war, who causes me to walk by his overcoming power. He causes me to walk that way. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I want to ask you this morning, Are you being trained for war? Have you accepted the call to combat? If you got the Holy Spirit, you have received power to combat 
the Antichrist spirit of this age. The eagle has, has, has flown out, Brother Branham used those words. The eagle has flown out. What is it for? It's not to ride in the sky and say, oh, I'm here, I'm here. No, the eagle has flown out to come into your life and overcome all that the Antichrist is trying to do. You don't need to fear the devil's, the demonic power out there. You don't need to fear the political power, the religious power, the economic power. Get those things out of your mind. Let the water of the, the washing of the water of the word wash them out of your minds even during this service. And say, Lord, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'll walk with you, Lord, all the days of my life, through good times, through bad times. Bright sunny days are not signs of God's blessing, and nor are cloudy days the signs of his disapproval. You are approved in the beloved. That's what God's trying to get in you. You are approved. Hallelujah. You are the approved. That's why his word has struck your heart. You are the approved. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of my God who trains my hands for more.
Are we possessors this morning? Arise. i 
of this service because of Calvary you're free your debt's already paid every promise is yours you're the bride of Jesus Christ and this message came to tell you that hallelujah it was already laying in the word but that portion of the word has become anointed to be power in your life blessed be the name of the Lord I'm going to leave you with one scripture stunned me. It stunned me when I read it. Didn't read it in the Bible. I was looking at some of the videos I was sent from Uganda. There in one of the new groups, there was a pulpit. I thought, well, these, this group has it together. They already got their, their, their building set up, a new building and sticks and metal and whatever. They got chairs. They got a, a, a pulpit. Pulpit was different than this, but I'd say almost as nice as this one. I thought, my goodness. But written down on the bottom of the pulpit was a scripture. That I thought, Lord, I want to make that my scripture. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. It says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. I'll tell you what. I said, Lord, these people got a revelation. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I thought, what a scripture. How come I never preached on that before? I thought, Lord, I want to preach on that this morning. No, you've got to preach what I tell you to preach. I have found your word. And I did eat them. Hello, sisters. Did you find his word? Have you eaten the book? Brothers? I want to challenge these young men. I know what it was like to be young in this message. 22 years old when I came into the message. How old are you, Brother Gabe? 22. 32. You look 22. I took a hold of this message. I found his word and I did eat it. Amen, Amen, Brother Richard. If I have any advice to anybody, find the Word. But don't just identify with it. Eat it. Don't stop eating it. Let it become your very sustenance. I got to sing that song. My Jesus, my Savior. The reason I love this song is because it's personal. He's my Jesus. I can't vouch for the rest of you. I'm not a prophet. But he's my Jesus. 
But I want to ask you this morning, is he your Jesus? Did he send this message just for you? Is it real to you? Don't worry about mom, dad, sister, brother, pastor, deacon, song leader, musician, whatever more. You. Is it real in your life? My Jesus. My Jesus. My Savior. Yeah.
Nothing in this world remotely compares to what you have given us, Lord. There's little, what would you call them, Lord? Little tantalizing things of the flesh, I guess. Everybody enjoys a good meal. Everybody enjoys, Lord, the natural things. We enjoy natural life. But Lord, if we had all the pleasures of natural life and we didn't have you, we'd be of all men most miserable, Lord. You're our pleasure, Lord. You're our joy. We love you, oh God. Oh, we love you because you shone your light on our path. We love you, Lord, because you are who you are. We love you above all things, Lord. I can give my love to you, but I can't give my love to somebody else to give to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, if somebody here this morning would say down in their hearts, let me love you. Let me know you. And let me know who I am, Lord. Oh, Lord, won't you pour in that anointing of this hour into every life that raises us above the traps of this age, the antichrist spirit that was warring against the word in so many ways. His name is death, but your name is life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You're the only way, Lord. We just want to thank you for your word. It inspires us this morning. I pray, Father, that something that was said would raise someone's level of faith. And let every doubt and fear and anxiety fall by the wayside. May they stand completely washed in the word, in perfect faith as a spotless bride, ready into rapturing condition, Lord, because of a perfect faith and a perfect word that you sent. A more perfect way, oh God, that you might declare your glory. We thank you for it this morning, Lord. We pray you be with Brother Tom on his journey home. As we once again pray, Lord, those that are subject to the fires that are raging, be with you, Lord. Be merciful to them, Father. And go with us in our way. We don't know what the week holds ahead of us, but, Lord, we sure love you. And whatever we can do to serve you, Lord, may you just anoint us to do that. We give ourselves afresh to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him? Are you she? God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.